Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate this this is joe cole this is ruben off the cheek and you're listening to the london London Blue podcast hey there chelsea fans we were gonna drop the Women's Champions League match review today. But in case you missed it, it went about as bad as it possibly can. You think the men's match against Leicester is bad? Hmm, poor, poor women. They lost 4 nothing to Barcelona. It's 4 nothing after about 35 minutes. So look, and instead of covering that one, knowing that it probably would have been pretty negative, and that team has had such a good season... We just didn't feel it was right. You know, we didn't feel like we'd be doing that team uh, any credit. So, we are going to continue to tell you to go watch and support the women. And hopefully we can come back at the FA Cup. Um, again, the the men's FA Cup review that we're going to do right now is not much better. Uh, but we just made a decision that after how bad that match went, it wasn't going to do them any credit and any service. So again, uh, we we plugged them all weekend on social media. Hopefully, you saw all three of us pushing really hard. We're in the Discord. Uh, if you're looking for a Chelsea women's community, again, our Discord is amazing. The, that that thread is is active. It's intelligent. Uh, they're educating. So if you're if you're looking to get into it, it's a great place to do it. Uh, just get in through our Patreon. But again, uh, we're going to skip our scheduled match review for the women. Uh, unfortunately, but uh, I promise you we'll be covering them more and more, continuing to do so just like we've done for the past four seasons or so. Uh, but anyways, up to Chelsea, and here's our FA Cup match review. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast, FA Cup final edition. Uh, as always, your host, Brandon, joined by my co-hosts, Nick and Dan. Gentlemen, welcome back. Obviously, going to be reviewing the Leicester City FA Cup match. Uh, but before we get into that, we have a very exciting guest, Nick. Um, kudos to you two on planning this so well. But uh, someone who we've known a long time, who's known Chelsea much longer than that, and obviously was at the match yesterday, Nick. You, you forget important accolades. like I'm letting inc- you. Incredible author, right? Uh, a, a participant in like three of our four live shows that we've done in London. Uh, music wizard. Uh, there, there are plenty of ways to describe Mark Worrell or Marco as he's more affectionately known. Marco, it's been a long time. We miss you. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's great to see you guys. It was great to be at a game yesterday. It's all good. The traditions are strong. Just a shame about the football, eh? Hey. Well, thankfully, we'll we'll use your 10 years of fan and the wisdom to kind of process some things. But look, everybody, obviously, you know, you know the gist on this one. We're going to kick it off with the three word match reviews and we'll be in the match review very quickly. But uh, uh, we, we always wait to record these. All right. The approach is not reactionary, maybe a little bit more of a measured approach. So we've slept on it. We've been in the Discord on it. We've been on Twitter on it. Uh, and here, here's what we have to say. So, Dan, kick us off with some three-word match reviews. This will definitely give us a temp check on where everybody's at. 
Yeah, the the spectrum from ones that responded immediately after to ones that were a little later, uh, there's definitely a, a mood change that maybe occurred, or at least a softening. Uh, Habercat with the campaign against Chelsea, good to see that one resurrected. Preston with the why always us, uh, to take a little spin on the the normal. I'm the franchise with the start Tammy now exclamation point. Peter with the Emperor's New Clothes. Our friend Philip Tran from Down Under with the More Whiskey, Please. Mm. Claire McConnell with the I Hate Football, didn't we all yesterday? Rado with the I Just Conte. And then our friend Jonathan Kidd with the We've Been Sus. I didn't know he was an Among Us fan, but that was pretty surprising to learn out. (laughs) (laughs) Probably isn't. But anyways, uh, Dan, keep it rolling with your three-word match review. Uh, this Chelsea side three-word match review is not margin proof. Not able to cover. Uh, Nick, what about you? Uh, very apparent yesterday that we are missing a match winner, uh, but I substituted the the A out of that, so missing match match winner is mine. Yeah, I wouldn't. I was right there with you. So it's still no finisher. Um, man. I miss Didier Drogba at Wembley, Marco. That's obviously, (laughs) oh, what a good run that was. And apparently we didn't realize just how good we had it until he's gone. Um, Do you have a three-word match review to kind of summarize how yesterday went for you? Not good enough. Draw the line in the sand. Straight to the point. (laughs) Let the expectations be clear. So, look, we're going to get into all that real quick. Dan, we've got some gratitudes. We're going to breeze through these. Uh, who do we have to thank for being amazing? Yeah, just a couple of things. I want to thank everybody who subbed up on Patreon, which uh, this week is Dragon Steel. You get the Joe Tweed's newsletter, The King's Road. You get his uh, vocal voice mailbag that we've been doing as well, in addition to the Discord access. So great to see people joining in there. Uh, Apple Podcasts, we want to thank Akshay912 and Soul Train at 979 for leaving some wonderful five-star reviews. Drop a five-star review before the next pod, and we'll get you in with some thanks and recognition. And then just for housekeeping, i uh, got an episode coming up later this week. It'll be the Leicester match review. Uh, not no, your eyes are not playing tricks on you. Uh, it is a Premier League match review against Leicester, uh, and then shirt orders for the Why Not Us shirt should be going live in the middle of this coming week here. So stay tuned to social media for that. All right. Well, here it is: the match review. It was Leicester City in the FA Cup this past Saturday, the fifteenth of May. It was at Wembley, and in case you somehow missed it, Chelsea nil. Leicester City won. Marco, before I go to the highlights, can you just give us a recap? of what it was like having fans in the stands, the pre-match meetup, how it all kind of kicked off. What was that experience like for you guys? Because this is the first time Chelsea played in front of fans. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, pretty much as soon as um, people knew they they had a ticket, uh, it was the arrangement started. So there was that little buzz about trying to find um, places. Obviously, we've still got regs over here. Um, at the moment, uh, you can only be outside a pub, so um, and, and it's in groups of six. So there were, there were some hoops to jump through there, but there was a definite buzz. Um, and uh, a guy called Teflon Jeff, who, who did the organising <laughs> for us, got um, got us three three tables outside a pub called the Windsor Castle in um, in Marleybone, which is just by Baker Street Tube, which is kind of one of the big stopping off points um, to go to Wembley. So there's a lot of anticipation about who's going to be there and a lot of buzz on Twitter and people, you know, like me. I mean, the last game I went to was March the 8th uh, last year, which was the Everton home game. So there's a lot of people, um, myself included, who haven't seen, you know, Chelsea friends for, for, for 14 months. So So that was, you know, there was a lot of anticipation about that. Um, you know, two sleeps to Wembley, one sleep to Wembley. We're all old enough to know better, but the buzz was, um, you know, really something. And and I guess as well, you know, there was, I mean, you know, complacencies maybe, I don't know, a word that should creep into any discussion about this game if you, if you look at the team selection. But I, I didn't really think about the game until I got into the stadium yesterday. So, it was like, okay, well, we're playing Leicester and we should beat them. Um, but it's all about the buzz and meeting everybody and having a drink and singing songs, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I was uh, 
I was up in London at midday yesterday, half 12, we were in the pub, uh, people rocked up and it was it was brilliant. You know, it was just so, so good to see people. Um, and that whole thing about normality returning, getting back into the stadium, um, you know, we, we were in there. I think we got to the stadium, we had to get there about an hour before kickoff. Um, so there were more people that you kind of bumped into along Wembley Way, um, such as it is now, because it's changed quite a bit. Um, and then in you know, in, in the stadium concourse, and then sort of walking out, uh, you know, you got all the prep out there, the 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 the, the army band playing abide with me, singing that, the old lump in the throat, um, and then kickoff. So all of that, you know, kind of by the time we got to uh, actual kickoff, there was a real buzz, and it was kind of like football's back, Chelsea are back. We're in the FA Cup final. We're going to win this. Come on, you mighty Blues! So that's how it felt. <laughs> oh <laughs> what a, man! What a wonderful synopsis. God. Yeah. Can and I have then, two? Can I have two thoughts just really quick on yeah. Marco's story? The first yeah. is, how do you guys do nicknames so much better than we do? <laughs> Incredible <laughs> stuff. Nicknames. You you have you have Teflon oh, Jack, you have Psycho that. Phil, you have Stanford yeah, yeah. Chidge. Uh, incredible yeah. stuff. Uh, two, was Tuchel with you during this week? Because it does not appear that he thought much uh, about the match either uh, before showing up. Uh, was he singing with you before the game, or how did that how did that all work, Marco? Okay, all right. Just Leading a, the witness. Have, Leading I, in the witness. I have just a quick couple of questions. That's all. <laughs> Um, look, I think there's going to be a lot of Tuchel tactics, player decisions that we're going to get into. So I'm going to, I'm going to protect our guest here. All right. We're going to do a proper discussion about all of it. Uh, but real quick, we're going to run it back to Chelsea's fifth standout, uh, just for some highlights, give you a quick review. Chelsea fans make you relive the emotion a little bit, but, uh, again, Chelsea's official app. They let us use the audio, so please go download it if you haven't. And then I also would give a shout out. I was with the Twin Cities Blues this weekend. If you have a local chapter, go register that you're a member of that local chapter. It actually does provide benefits for them. Well, so and you'll get push notifications about updates to venues and stuff like that. Like especially for the big matches, some of the pubs are not necessarily big enough to host hundreds of people, even though restrictions have been lifted. So. It's actually a good point. Like our KC chapter usually meets at the Belfry, and it was slamma jamma packed in there yesterday. So we're we're trying to figure out what's next on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, uh, fifth stand up, and then register for your local chapter. All right, here we go. Highlights. Let's see what Chelsea can do here. Well, the shot always going wide, I think, from Mason Mount. But again, when he's uh, got the ball at his feet, he is always dangerous. Ziyech again. Up goes the signal in swinger once more. To the near post this time, Johnny Evans comfortably away. No one there was there, just not enough on it from Ziyech. This is better. And again, can he pull it back? Fair delivery, it'll come towards Rudiger. Back here to curl it towards the far oh. post, and Werner got something on it, but not enough, and Aspilicueta likewise. He's taking it away from Aspilicueta. He doesn't quite get enough on it, does he, Timo Werner? Yes, as you mentioned, a fat ball. Sure. Mm, referee hasn't spotted it. This is Tielemans. It's opened up for the Belgian. Oh, what a strike! Chelsea trail at Wembley. There's got to be a handball just prior to that. He's come off Perez's right arm, hasn't it? Even Perez looks across at the referee to see what he's going to do. Super strike by Tielemans. Chelsea will have all of the ball for the final 13 minutes. This is Pulisic. Nice with Kante. And Chelsea take advantage, Pulisic wants it back, Kante will lift it towards the far post, and the header, terrific stop! Well, Schmeichel got across there, not quite sure if it was going to steal into the corner from Chilwell's header. Hudson-Odoi, drop of the shoulder, can he get away from Castagna, one step over another, to fire it back for Rhys James, to curl it inside the area, Giroud was lurking, the shot, oh, oh what a save! Schmeichel, unbelievable! How on earth does he deny Mason Mount? Thiago Silva, good running from Chilwell again here! Oh, oh it's gone in, it hurts! Unbelievable! He's offside. Oh, it's going to be offside, isn't it? Oh, this is so close. Yeah. I wonder if they'll ask the referee to look at this one. Offside. 
Hudson Adoy. It is Leicester's day, and it's been a long time coming. In front of fans once more. They can't quite believe it. Chelsea undone. Full time here. Chelsea nil. Leicester won. All right, Dan, I need you to run us through the lineup. Okay. Uh, set the scene for us here. Uh, okay, well, so the lineup included Kepa Aretha Balaga, as we all knew, and we all knew it in the middle of last week that it was going to be the individual starting between the sticks, Thiago Silva, Antonio Rudiger, and Reese James as the back three. It was Jorginho, Conte, Alonso, and Cho, uh, sorry, uh, Cesar Azpilicueta as your four with them tacking three of Timo Werner, Mesa Mount, and Hakim Ziyech. Uh, substitutes included Kai Havertz, Ben Chilwell, Callum Hudson-Odoi, Olivier Giroud, and Christian Pulisic all off the bench. Emerson, Kurt Zuma, Edouard Mendy, and Billy Gilly Gilmore, the unused substitutes. Billy Gilly Gilmore, I like it. All right, maybe we're we'll run with that. Hey, some of the stats that uh, Marco doesn't care about are Chelsea with 64% possession, <laughs> 13 shots, three on target to Leicester, six shots, one on target. We had 10 corners to their four. Eight tackles are 11, two offsides are one. Who cares? A caution apiece. Uh, the XG at XG Philosophy saying Chelsea with 1.13 to Leicester's 0.56. Le- yet we lose 0 to 1 at Opta Joe saying 2. Chelsea are the first team to finish runners up in consecutive FA Cup final since Newcastle United 1989 and 19 or 1998 and 1999. Squandered. Whew. I mean, Marco, dealer's choice here. Do you want to initially touch on the lineup, the stats, XG, or the fact that Opta Joe's rubbing in that we've lost back-to-back FA Cup finals? Um, I think just to focus on the lineups, a couple of points. I mean, the Kepa thing we knew, um, was it, you know, would Mendy have saved that Tielemann shot? I mean, I was literally at the other end of the ground looking and I saw Tielemann's unleash and said that's going straight in the top corner and sure enough it did. Um, you know, and everybody around me was saying Mendy would have saved that. So there's kind of that aspect to it that we knew. The Reese James coming in at centre-back thing, uh, you know, he looked very comfortable there, but do you actually experiment in an FA Cup final um, with with a new centre back? I'm not really sure. I, I, I understand the, the the rationale behind that, unless he was just trying to confuse um, uh, Brendan Rodgers. Uh, the rest of it, well, you know, Alonso, the Alonso Chilwell thing. I wasn't surprised to see Alonso starting because he started you know, fairly frequently, but it just didn't feel like a first 11 that you're going to send out to win a cup final. Um, And I kind of felt a little bit cheated by that. Mount obviously got, got, got the nod. Werner, you know, can't hit a barn door at 10 paces at the moment, but got a pick um, where, you know, where we've kind of seen Havertz, being the gunslinger striker and and scoring. So, you know, that was a bit disappointing. Ziyech, we've got so many players um, that that can fulfil that role, but I I would have preferred to have seen Pulisic start for Chelsea, as I'm sure all of you guys over there would have done. Um, So, yeah, overall, you know, on a scale of 0 to 10, when I saw the starting 11, I was kind of like, well, that's a five, isn't it? Um, which isn't a good place to be. So very disappointing, really. And, and you know, the way the game played out kind of underlined that. It's certainly not your best 11 for an FA Cup final, is it? I mean, this – and I – look, I cashed my comment by saying they've played – this team has played one million matches in the last three months. I understand the need for rotation. I understand – uh, why Thomas Tuchel made a couple of the decisions that that he he did, or at least been trying to understand. Um, but it's the FA Cup final. Like, put your best eleven out there and and take a gamble on Tuesday. I mean, it's like I don't know. You, you only have so many of these opportunities in your in your lifetime. We've been lucky enough to have more uh, more than most. But the chance to raise silverware, I think, trumps everything else. And so, I don't know. It just didn't seem like the the strongest eleven that we could have had. BB, are we thinking two changes then? Ziyech off, 
Havertz in, and then Chilwell for Alonso. And Mendy for Kepa. Yeah. Okay. So you got, so we'd say eight out of 11, and then maybe the Reese Aspie. Mm. Yeah, because it's almost like they were different in terms of a position, right? Like, you know, you play one, you know, you really did flip flop them, which changed, you know, you got the benefit of Reese being able to keep up with Vardy and, and, you know, Iannaccio and kind of keep them quiet for the majority of time, but you didn't then get the benefit of the forward momentum and push that we need in the attacking phase. Yeah, and and it's not. I don't even know if it's just the starting lineup, right? Because I think that's the easy thing to focus on. It's for me, it was the lack of subs early enough to make an impact. I think that was his crucial mistake yesterday. Like clearly, in the first forty-five minutes, these teams were just stalling in midfield. Like there wasn't a whole lot going on. Um, you know, there weren't there weren't a ton of chances either side on, in in the first half. So. Just knowing that, knowing how Leicester set out their stall and basically was relying upon an over-the-top ball to Vardy to start a break, like they always have been over the last five years, there wasn't a dynamic change in that moment to say, all right, we have to completely change what we're doing here because if we don't, the one shot on target that they're going to have the entire match, much like Arsenal did the other day, is going to go in because that's just Murphy's law, I suppose. Um, but it, it just was really disappointing that for as astute a tactician as Thomas Tuchel has shown himself to be over the last uh, now five months, I suppose, almost five months, he's he consistently waits too long to make changes. And that's uh, in, in the FA Cup final, you can't, you can't spare one minute if you want to win it. Mm. All right. Well, I think I think we're definitely building into to kind of our first question. So we're going to take our first ad break. Uh, but when we get back, uh, we're going right into maybe where do we feel like we were let down the most? Dan even used the word blame. I'm hesitant to use the word blame, but we're going to get into that. So thanks to these sponsors for financially supporting the show. We'll be right back. All right, Dan, you want to play the blame game? Go for it. Who are you going to blame? Put lay oh. your cards on the table. Well, I think that the way that we got it was a question from Casper on Twitter, which was Alonzo over Chile. Why not play your best keeper in the final? Why not have a top scorer in the squad as as a winger? And so everybody's trying to Columbo to an answer at the moment, which is like, where do we assign blame? Where do we put the problems in? And like, this is this is like a heist job. It wasn't a one man, like uh, one lone person who decided to do everything incorrectly. Like this is a failing of the players. This is a failing. Two goals, 11. The manager. <laughs> with Brad Pitt. You oh know. my gosh. We got the image for Bruce. Um, there it is. But yeah, like I, I think it starts, it starts with Tuchel, right? Tuchel is the one you can put the initial blame at for yeah. a couple of the decisions. And I, I would say it starts with, even so far, and I know you, know you might feel a little bit differently, Brandon, but I the ter- the idea of a cupkeeper to me is not it's not a word I want to hear again. It's something that should be banished from every lexicon <laughs> moving forward. It's just a odd desire to play the individual, and you know, Lester played their their keeper. They played their starter. They played their captain, and he came up with an amazing hand save to deny Mason Mount a equalizer. And that sometimes is the difference. And so, um, look, Tillemans came out afterwards and said that he got a text to try to hit it for the top corner. And so he knew where to go. He knew that he was going up against Keppa. And, um, yeah, I don't know. So I, I think it starts, Nick, with the lineup. But um, then it goes into other places, too. Look, look, hold up. Yes, you always shoot for the top hold corner. Up. It's statistically the like the most likely place to hit it. If you can if you can hit top bins every single time, you're gonna do it. I mean, so like, <laughs> I you know I know you have this little image in here from Adam Newsom, but like that's that's kind of like the, one of the most obvious things I've ever heard. It's like, oh, there's an open goal. Do you shoot it or not? Yes, of course you you hit top bins if you can. Well, when there's five and a half inches of difference, though, like I I my, my what I was gonna preface was that. I don't think Tillemans tries that shot if Mendy's in goal. That, that's all I'm saying because his quote, Tillemans quote is, today I got a text saying I had it hit from the cop corner and I did. I think, what, 
Whether I, I believe that or not, I mean, come on. The right. argument the argument can be made, to your point, right, that did Lester feel like they had a better opportunity because of the personnel that was on the field? Correct. And I'm okay with that. Marco, I think from your perspective and you're seeing the lineup, you know, I felt like on the day Chelsea did enough to win the match, but we were failed more offensively than we were defensively. I mean, Lester had one shot on target, only three on the day. It's not like they were just blitz firing our goal. We had some amazing opportunities at the other end and just were not even close to challenging Schmeichel until Mount at the very, very end. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's, it's a familiar tale this season, though, isn't it? That the, the fact that we've created a lot of opportunities in games and, and failed to take them and we've bossed games possession-wise uh, and failed to take advantage of that as well. And, you know, what is really frustrating is a lot of that has been down to, you know, I'm going to have to like name names and just say if Werner had been on the money as a striker, um, we would have won a lot of games. We wouldn't be in a position where we're scratching around for fourth place and we may well have won the game yesterday. And, you know, being brutally honest, that that's the nail hitting, um, the, the hammer hitting the nail on the head. So, you know, you can talk about, um, you know, the, the the very fact, as you mentioned, that Leicester created so little um, but took the one opportunity and scored, um, you know, underlines, you know, Chelsea's profligacy um, as, as the key area uh, where we failed. And, and, you know, as I've just said, the most frustrating thing is that, that this is kind of Groundhog Day um, every, every other week, you know, and against against weaker opposition, maybe we've got away with it and scored a couple of goals and won the game tight at the back, keep a clean sheet, all good. Uh, but against, you know, more resilient opposition with, an, you know, an inspired goalkeeper, um, you're not going to get the, the rub of the green. And that, that's the way it cracked out yesterday. Well, look, I, I mean, can I, I just quickly say, I don't put this on Kepa. Like, I don't. I, I put it on Tuchel squarely. I, I don't believe, I don't believe that the blame necessarily should go to the guy for being as tall as he is. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it seems really unfair to me. And there have been a lot of things where I think you can squarely blame Keppa for a mistake. This is not one of those things to me personally. I mean, I, I think if you're Tuchel and you don't put out your best 11, that's on you, bro. Like, I, you know, sorry to say, but you know, if Mendy's your top keeper and you've consistently said he's your top keeper, I don't like this this cupkeeper thing like Dan said is a a mirage. It's a false thing. You know, it's a nice thing to have if you can get away with it, I suppose. But why take the risk? I it just does not it doesn't check out with me. And I know we're trying to I know we're trying to hopefully move him at some point or figure out what to do with him, BB, but I mean, if you were just if you were given a charity opportunity like that, like I don't imagine that would feel great even if you had it, you know. But it wasn't charity. Like Keppa got us to that FA Cup final. I mean, he. So I think that's the that's the thing that sticks me up is like, and I think this is where managers struggle too. I, Marco, like he quote unquote earned it. He got us through City. He got us through previous rounds. He had done the business to get us to the final. To then yank him at the end, it's saying, "Hey, we don't trust you." Which I guess supposedly you already know that because he's not the starter in the Champions League and in the league. But it, I don't know. It, it seems super harsh if you were to pull out some of the players that rotate. But I guess the counter argument is at some point you pull out Tino Andrin in the League Cup. At some point you pull out Billy Gilmore. At some point you pull out the youngsters because you get to a round where it's just too serious to not have your best players there. Well, you only have to look back to you know the, the season that we last won the FA Cup um, and just the progression through the rounds. Where, where you see the the younger players um, and the, the fringe players getting opportunities in the third, fourth, and fifth round, and then it all gets a bit more serious, and then the final, it's you know it's the best eleven available um, to go and do the job, and that, you know I, I I totally get the point. You know the Kepa thing's interesting because Chelsea haven't been uh, you know 
the, the, the West Brom debacle to one side. Chelsea haven't been conceding since Tuchel took over. You know, he's, he's tightened up the back. Obviously, Mendy's been a part of that. But even yesterday, you know, I think, you know, the one, you know, the Kepa, you had one job, um, you know, it was one shot. That was, you know, he never, he didn't have any other saves to make. That That's, that's a point um, about how tight the defence is. So maybe, you know, the, the, although it's a, a point of criticism potentially for many, I think the broader picture goes back to not making, taking the chances, um, not not being strong enough in terms of the starting eleven up front, um, just to make the best of the opportunity. And, the, and the, the the strangest thing really is, you know, Tuchel's come in, he talks the talk, he's a nice guy, he's got some great results, um, and this was an opportunity to to win his first bit of silverware as as Chelsea manager, and you know, and be a hero, and everybody singing his name in Wembley, and you know. Poof, that didn't happen. Um, bizarre. Really bizarre. And it's where I, I kind of went down to the idea that this this was actually like a super winnable game, even mm-hmm. even though we were playing in a lower gear. We, 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 we didn't play with the same intensity. We played with a reconfigured lineup. We played with players out of position. We played with our backup keeper, which, and I I, I just looked, uh, Danny uh, Ward is the backup keeper for Leicester. Didn't know who it was. He only played two of the FA Cup matches, and eventually when it got into deeper in the competition, Brendan Rodgers switched back to Schmeichel. Um, but, like, this, this was within our hands, and we didn't actually even play well. Like, that is probably the most infuriating thing out of all of this, is that we could have won this without any issue, with all of that aside, that I mean, that's that's point that should be point number one in this whole deal is Chelsea did not play well. We didn't, we offered almost nothing to the game, couldn't figure out how to get out of second gear. There was no energy, there was no intensity, there was no strong leadership on the pitch, even though you had four or five captains there. Uh, it was, it was a really strange kind of lackluster performance and you you know I think you could blame you know Arsenal being a little bit of a trap game Brandon midweek after you have a really you know kind of reached the heights that you did the previous week beating Real Madrid beating Man City Arsenal comes to Stafford Bridge you think they're gettable and and you maybe play a weekend lineup to see if you can get away with one right like I think we talked about that midweek you got to have energy and enthusiasm for the FA Cup final. And I didn't see a whole hell of a lot of it. It looked like players that ran out of gas. Well, I mean, look, Leicester City have had a pretty simple season for them to focus on the league and eventually the FA Cup. Chelsea have had a lot more going on, but you'd also say that Leicester are a lot more stable you know, than Chelsea. We, we maybe have a little bit more chaos, you could say. Um, but it's gotten us to this point. Um you know, I, I guess I'm a little annoyed that I dismantled my own argument about Kepa playing in the final because, you know, again, it's like the deeper you get, the less young players play because it gets more serious, gets more competitive. Um, but, you know, this is a meritocracy or should be. So although Kepa might feel hard done to get dropped for the final, I just want to close off this point. You know, at the same time, he's not the number one. He knows he's not the number one. Guess what? And the most important games for the club, the best players can play and should play. And with Mendy, it's not a fitness thing. You could potentially say it's a fitness thing for some of the other players, you know, is is Tuchel's managing the squad fitness ahead of, you know, still more important games. But I again, like Nick said, I think we didn't play well, but we did enough to to win. And I think what frustrates me is probably that I put so much hype and excitement on Timo Werner when he arrived. I said he'd be the most important signing. I said, you know, he'd, he'd be our top scorer. I mean, shit, I put a bet on with my buddy, which we've talked about all season, which has come massively short. I mean, he had four well, shots. Well, it's because you, you, you need to consult with Marco before making the bet. True. That was your first mistake. True. Um, he had four shots, none on target yesterday. Is that good or... It's what? not ideal. Four shots, okay. not on target, Marco. Uh, the next player with the most shots was Mason Mount with three. He had one on target, which we all know. Rudiger had two shots, not on target. Ziyech had one shot, none on target. Alonso had one shot, one on target. And Chilwell had one shot, one on target. Well, I think 
I think it all, uh, and I know it was mentioned, well, it was certainly mentioned by um, a lot of us out there yesterday. You know, who, who's the top, who's Chelsea's leading scorer in the FA Cup this season? Um, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. You know, you, you just wonder sometimes um, what, what, what's going on in the background. Um, you know, clearly Tuchel's come in and he's resurrected the careers of some Chelsea players we didn't expect to see play again. Um, but conversely, he's also seemingly ended the Chelsea careers of, of uh, the likes of Tammy Abraham, who, you know, a lot of people knew, you know, he he's not um, the peerless striker in, 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 in a Harry Kane type mould, but he'll score 20 goals a season, every season for whoever he plays for, given the game time. And whether they go off the back of his head, off his knee, <laughs> off his bum, uh, or actually leathers it into the goal from 18 yards out, um, he scores goals. And, you know, Chelsea have just found that hard. And and just kind of going back to the point I made at the top of the show, you know, we kind of saw recently, you know, Havertz being played through the middle and, you know, he's six foot four, he's a big beefy striker, he's tall enough to get on his head on, you know, some cross balls, etc. Why Why persist with a kid who... You know, much as I like um, Werner for his enthusiasm and he's he's got a fantastic turn of speed and, and he can score goals, he's not in, you know, he's not a player that's been in any kind of form um, consistently since he arrived at the football club and he shouldn't have been, he shouldn't have started that cup final yesterday. Um, there, were, there were better options, I think. Even putting the Tammy Abraham argument to one side, uh, it, it could have been done better. It was just so interesting to look at how much more we were offering going forward when you had Chilwell on, when we brought on Havertz, and just the movement of the ball, the ability to actually get into the box, the ability to actually push Lester into a really compact situation, and we were still able to find goodness. We were able to get the ball into space after we made some of those changes. So like to the I think the larger point we're continuing to make is that this game was very winnable. And to, I think Tuchel made the mistake of just selecting a couple of players who don't combine as well. Like, you know, and I think you saw like Ziyech started on the left, goes on to the right. That didn't work out on either side yesterday, but particularly when Alonso and Ziyech were combining on the left, that was not, that's not a good combo. It didn't work well. They weren't necessarily supporting each other in terms of advancing the ball forward or interchanging. The right was a little better with Mason. You know, Mason and Asby were doing a little bit better. It probably would have been better moving forward when, you know, Asby, you know, if Asby and Reese were switched, but I also think we were all talking the first half about how we didn't see Vardy. Vardy wasn't getting on the ball. He had one, you know, one weird header that, you know, near the end of the first half. And that was like the first time you saw or heard his name mentioned, Nick. And so like some of the things worked in what we tried to do to sort out the game plan defensively. But offensively, we we really, I think, nerfed ourselves because of that. I was just quickly going to say the thing about Vardy. Vardy's been out of sorts for quite a while. Sort of, he and Acho has been the main man for for Leicester for for quite some time. So, although Vardy had a quiet game yesterday, it, that wasn't in itself a, a big surprise. So, I don't think there's any great pat on the backs due for for keeping Vardy quiet. Um, you know, uh, in in that respect. But but you would say I I think I would say that on Leicester you have some pretty clear match winners, right? I think just based on form and all that stuff. I think if you looked at Chelsea's front three or front five at times, how it played, you know, when we were trying to really give it a go in the last seven minutes inexplicably, the only match winner I saw in the field was Marcus Alonso. <laughs> and like <laughs> that, that is, that is crazy to say out loud, but like it, it you know, we were watching at the pub yesterday my first instinct, and I know we've all joked about this before, but just the way the game was playing, was to bring on one of the other two left backs that you put on your bench instead of another striker because apparently you don't need goals, and move Marcus Alonso up. 
see what he can do. I mean, get him closer to goal, get him in the box, and just see if he can get a shot on target because it, to me it was just so stagnant and and players stood, you know, you see these offensive movements, and I put that in air quotes because you got a lot of players standing around waiting for something to happen instead of making it happen. It is it is really, really strange. I mean, the team of Werner Point, I won't, I won't, uh, kick a dead horse or whatever, but like he is, if he does not have space to run into, if he's playing against this, a low block, he's damn near useless. I mean, because there is no, there's no way to get in behind that. There's no way to use your speed against a wall, you know, unless you're consistently banging into it. Um, and that, you know, you need someone with some craft, some guile. It's kind of why I was suggesting Giroux, a little bit, or or Mark Salonzo, or someone whose movement might get that extra half yard of space to to get in there. So, just a, a final thought on that. All right, deep breath. We okay, that was that was a long run right there. Pain train's coming, baby. <sighs> choo choo. Tell tell you what. Um, this this is good though. I feel like people are getting ready to tweet, getting ready to to comment in Discord, and that this is helpful. This is what we need. Um. There were some there were some incidents in this match. <laughs> That's you a polite say. way to put it. You could say right. <laughs> um, so, some things happened that that I think is a, li- a little frustrating through throughout this one. But um, I think this is also the finest of margins. Marco, you're in the stadium. It sounds like you wouldn't have seen the handball or alleged handball uh, against uh, Perez that led to the goal nor would you have seen all the replays we saw at home. And then to have it immediately go down to the other end, you know, and Chilwell's brilliant, brilliant effort to get that goal bundled over the line, you know, right at the death. To have that stadium erupt in the elation and then to have it all just have the balloon popped and it all come back down. And these players have to pick themselves up and go again. Um, Thoughts on VAR? (laughs) Uh, you know what? I I had forgotten um, just how crushingly horrible it is to be in a football stadium when uh, you over celebrate a goal, which you know, let's face it, an equaliser with minutes to go in an FA Cup final, you're going to celebrate it. And we were, I don't know, maybe thirty feet from uh, behind that goal. So obviously we, we see the ball go in, we're all up in the air, we see the lads run to the corner flag and, you know, knee slide celebrations, go back to the centre circle, line up for, for the kickoff. Here we go, Chelsea, we're going to do it. And then and then there's a VAR call. Trust me, that is absolutely soul-destroying if, if you're in the ground. I mean, it's bad enough watching it on TV as, as we've all been doing um you know for the for the last year um but i've just forgotten how it's just, it's just awful it is it's an abomination that's what it is var i'm sorry uh, you know if it, if, if, if it could ever be executed beyond reasonable doubt but but that whole that whole you know moment um or moments or minute or however long it was between the ball rippling the net and everybody going back to the middle, and then and then it all being chalked off. It's just horrible. It's absolutely killing the game, and I've forgotten how bad that feeling can be. Um, you know, the other the other incident, I was blissfully unaware of because that 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 uh, the, the goal was up the other end, the Leicester goal. Um, so anything that was going on in the build up to that that could be deemed an infringement. We, we were unaware of that. Yeah, it's it's just a continuation of really bad luck when it comes yeah. to VAR for Chelsea. And uh, Nico Cantor, who works for CBS over here, Marco, uh, I think made the point of the day on, on VAR and, and the offside rule. Uh, he said, here's my issue. He, he's showing the freeze frame of, of Chilwell, you know, a millimeter or whatever offside as it compares to Soyuncu. And he says, here's my issue with this. Look at how big the ball is. There isn't a freeze frame that shows with millimetric precision when the ball leaves the passer's foot. 
it's a pretty apparent blur, right? Because it's it's happening at so much speed compared to the players who are moving at a much slower speed. Yet we judge the offside line with millimetric accuracy. Get these lines out of my life. It's a hundred percent right. Like that's the this, only way to look at this. Like this, this is my thing too, right? Like the camera technology, even 8K, it's not fast enough to freeze frame. I mean, the ball leaving a foot at 80 miles an hour, whatever it is, right? Which means the ball has left the foot and there's a delay. There's a delay of four inches or whatever it is. But those four inches on the other side of, again, Chilwell running in the opposite direction of the defense, like these all add up to very common sense issues with it. And they're just saying, you know what? To your point, we're going to get close enough to the ball leaving the foot because that's the rule is when the ball is played, where is the runner? But yet we're going to, to his point, he fucking nailed it millimetric precision i want lines i want the blur of his jersey we're going to take the outside of it and, and you don't know where the sleeve oh. begins and the undershirt well, it, like it, all that stuff too like it's crazy well and again it's supposed to be playable parts of the body technically shoulder hand arm are not playable parts of the body yet we are using the outside of that is is it, it look this is a, is a disaster i'm not even like saying poor chelsea i'm just saying like it's this hasn't come off and it's we're ramrodding it through. It hasn't been executed well. I remember last season when Mason Mount was called offsides like six passes before the goal actually happened. By a toe. But yet and again, it was like- Iosi Perez, who made a great extension dive save to knock the ball down in midfield, like was not even a part of the re- review process. I just I'm so frustrated with the entire uh, application, lack of application, inconsistent end of how they judge everything. Like it's, it's a mockery. Can, can we just make re- really quick, Dan, can we just make some common sense adjustments to VAR? So it doesn't screw up shit like this. This is a FA cup final. Okay. Unplug it. What fuck it was <laughs> Stokely was Ben Chilwell. Was Ben Chilwell really offside yesterday? No, of course he wasn't. Of course he wasn't because Here's the problem with defenders and, and attackers. They lean in different directions to do different things. Your bodies are always going to look like this. One player is trying to move forward. The other player is trying to stop that player moving forward. We, we have to be able to, like they do in MLS, I should say. MLS gets one thing right and one thing right only. <laughs> they, they, their, their review process goes down to the referee. The referee does not have lines to look at. He has a slow-mo replay. And then that referee on the field makes the call. And that referee makes the right call about 87% of the time, they think, as compared to VAR, which is tw- in the 20s, it has to be. It's ridiculous. That There has to be common sense adjustments made. This is absolutely absurd. Sorry, go ahead, Dan. Well, I think mean, two things. One, when opposition fans you know despise your club are saying that you were hard done, you know it was a bad call. Then <laughs> you see United or Liverpool or Spurs or Arsenal supporters saying, yeah, that was a bad call. You, you actually know that you were pretty hard done. Uh, and then I would say secondly is just that the, this is what it comes down to in the, you know, the three or match review I was using is like not margin proof. Like these are the finest of margins, right? To not get two calls to go your way and go the opposite way. Yet to still be in the match for the entirety of it, uh, and to not uh, not take a result from the day, and so like th- this is where you know City are miles ahead at the moment, right? City can get knocked around, get knocked in the teeth, have a couple decisions go their way incorrectly, and they can still come out the other side with a win. And yeah. that, that's just not where that's not where this Chelsea team is at yet. And like that is where I think aspirationally we want to be. We want to be a mm-hmm. team that. On the day, five, six, seven things can go poorly, and you still come away with a result. And I think that again, this is like the maddening thing is that the the finest of margins, like this, was a winnable game. Like that, that that is the I think the the hopefully silver lining some people can take away from this is like after all the doom and gloom, after not winning a trophy, like this side A is not as bad as you made it out to be. B, the tactics weren't as bad as you made it out to be. And that for a couple of things that flip one way on one day and one day on another, sliding doors, we are celebrating this as a W. I, I mean, I think all of it plays together, though, Dan. Like, it all plays together. You can't just separate the bad tactics, bad lineups, bad, you know, low energy. Blame the kit. 
I figured from, it out. <laughs> there it is. It may, maybe that's all of it. But it, I think you I think you have to take it all within context, all of it. And the VAR is certainly a part of it, right? And let's hope, let's pray. We're recording this before the women take on um, Barcelona the F, in the uh, Women's Champions League. Let's pray that uh, VAR is used far better than it, in that final than it was yesterday because I, I could not bear to see heartbreak because of VAR in a, in a final where they haven't used it the entire tournament. Until Shambolic decision-making. Shambolic, yeah. Um, okay, Marco, I'd be I'd be upset at myself if I didn't ask you about this. I know some people have uh, coined you as a legacy fan. I want you to know that <laughs> I look at that as a title of esteem and authority. We call them. We we, we actually changed it. We call them legendary fans True. Uh, on this show. We don't True. call them legacy fans. Um, did you see Matt Law's tweet yesterday that he felt that the club are far more concerned with the the second of the two Leicester City matches in the FA Cup final, that while they're upset, they're far more interested in securing top four? Yeah, you know, I mean, this is an old argument, isn't it? It's kind of like, if you remember Arsenal from uh, under Wenger, and it was the race for fourth and, you know, sacrificing everything else for Arsenal to finish fourth so that they could get knocked out in the round of 16 in the following season's Champions League competition. You know, that's never made any sense to me, apart from, you know, I understand that, the, of course, I understand the economies of, in the game um, and, and, you know, the prestige perceived with competing in, in, in the Champions League. But all of that is more related to marketing purposes um, and brand building purposes and, you know, such horrible terminology um, you know, associated with with, with football. Um, I, I, I just, you know, the FA Cup for me and for a lot of legacy supporters is, is you know, it's the oldest cup competition in the world. Um, it's a beautiful competition to win. You know, there are 7,000 teams or whatever it is that, that go in and start playing in the preliminary rounds way back in July. Um and, you know, it's just disgusting. What is the point of going through all those rounds to reach Wembley, um, giving your supporters the opportunity to go to the, their first game in over a year and then not turning up? Um, it just doesn't make sense. You know, and and nothing, you know, take nothing for granted. And, you know, I mean, I like a bet and I've, I, I had... I had some like good bets laid out yesterday from early on in the season at eight to one, nine to one on Chelsea to win the FA Cup. They all turned to dust. And I've got, you know, I've got some bets at 17 to one and 15 to one on Chelsea to win the Champions League. Um, you know, and, the, and the, the, the kind of the fourth place thing, I mean, if Chelsea beat Manchester City, and let's face it, you know, we've managed that twice in quick, relatively quick succession against the odds, um, then they qualify automatically for, for for Europe. I mean, if if we turn up, you know, in Porto and play like we did yesterday with, with the same kind of clueless lineup, then you know, Pep's Ugh. gonna get he's gonna get his revenge, isn't he? Um but I you know, I, I'm just I'm just very disappointed about about the whole thing. It's almost like how, how to disrespect the cup on on just about every level possible, and you know, and if and if that has come from the top, um, I, I'd be surprised to be honest with you. If 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 he'd been been told, you know, you got to prioritise Wednesday, he he might have thought that himself, but he won't have been told that by the board. Well, I, I think. Yeah, well, I think to clarify, I, I, I don't think that the top meddled in any way with the team and everything like that. I think Matt's tweet was just saying, Nick, that the club view top four is more important than the FA Cup. And I think that frustrated a lot of fans because, to Marco's point, why would, why would you not try to win this? I, I think Tuchel is struggling to balance everything right now with player level fitness and the fact that I don't know there wasn't like a big fire until we made all those subs at the end of the match and then we were just pummeling Leicester City so again I think they're just viewing it from a priority standpoint right as as a business is running the club the way they want to 
more important for top four. Yeah, and and they can think that, right? I mean, they they own the club like that. That's their prerogative. Tommy T could have endeared himself to the fans in a way, you know, very few Chelsea managers have in the past by going out there and saying, okay, whatever, you know, I'm going to go play the strongest lineup because I want to lift this piece of silverware um, and, and damn the torpedoes on the other side. It also, you know, we, we've talked about this a lot this year. If you beat West Brom at home, if you beat Brighton at home, if you handle some of these winnable matches like Arsenal at home, you don't have to make this decision because you've already been in top four. You've already secured it. And it's that point that I think pisses me off more than anything is you should already be guaranteed top four at this point and wouldn't have to make it. I can just interject with a live comment. Um, <laughs> West Brom are actually beating Liverpool at the moment. I just saw so, that. Yeah, knock on wood, right. Marco. Knock on wood, damn it. But yeah, you know, and, and that kind of underlines the point that um, you know, Tuesday might not matter quite as much as um, it would do because, you know, Liverpool are basically at the moment screwing up their chance of um, moving up the table and taking fourth place either from Leicester or Chelsea. So, I don't know, you know. It's okay. Dis- degrees of disappointment. I promise you, we weren't we weren't coming here with expectations that you'd make everything okay, Marco. Um, oh, well, you uh, definitely it was helped. good while it lasted because Salah just scored a goal. So All right, we got Dan. Live reactions. Of, oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Hey, even yeah. drop points. Any drop points from Liverpool is good, right? So they'd be on sixty-one points. We're on sixty-four. I guess we can roll to that part in the script as we're as we're heading out. Uh, Dan refused to do a Dan of the match uh, because of a loss. So his his game, his rules. Them's the rules. Uh, we don't have 538 probabilities because that was a cup final. So there's nothing left. Technically, it's a zero at this point. Um, as far as what's next, right? Chelsea now have to turn around and play Leicester City on Tuesday. I hope they are so hungover at this point. Um, first FA Cup ever chairman probably said boys tabs on me tonight maybe or do they say no 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 we have to be professionals we'll celebrate this in two weeks we need to turn around and get ready for Chelsea I honestly don't know which way this is gonna go as far as Leicester City's preparation for this match they're on 66 points in third right Chelsea are in fourth on 64 points Liverpool playing right now as it stands with the draw, are on 61 points, right? So Let's just assume they win it. All right, so that put them on 63 in, f- in fifth place. Yep. Uh, I don't think we need to include Tottenham. So at this point, you now have Liverpool. We need four points to, to not have to worry about what anyone else does. Four points. You've got Leicester City and Villa. So worst case scenario, you need a point. Worst yeah. case, we should beat Leicester every time we play them. We have more talent than they do. We have better players than they do. Will we? After what I saw the last two matches, I think a lot of stuff is in doubt right now. I mean, I this the team looks out of ideas and out of gas to me. So if you're if you're asking me, hey Nick, what do you think about Tuesday's match? I don't think we're gonna play that well, to be honest. Oh, again. You, you need a, a super, you need a result. There's no more, I think, Marco, distractions of cups right now, right? We, we just got done with the FA Cup. Champions League isn't until everything else is done. So you really don't need to worry about that. You, you have 180 minutes to either show up and get the job done or, holy shit, we're going to be going into that Champions League final, a sorry, a sorry group, group of players, and we cannot have that. Uh, what's your confidence in this team, having lost two in a row, including a cup final, to get it across the line? To get the league across the line or everything? Let's just start with the league. So I think, um, you know, I think there'll be an element of people looking at the starting 11 on Tuesday night and thinking, why didn't this starting 11 play on Saturday in the FA Cup final, which would kind of, you know, add, add, 
sort of fuel to the fire about people thinking that, you know, that qualifying for the Champions League is more important than the FA Cup. So I think we'll get all of that. We'll get the best starting eleven possible. Um, and I'm, I'm, I think we'll do okay. I actually think the opposite of, um, you know, yeah, Leicester will have partied hard last night, but they'll be, they'll be bang up for it on Tuesday. They'll, they'll, they'll want to prove a point that they're um, top dogs, you know, when it comes to Chelsea v Leicester. Uh, and I think, you know, Brendan Rodgers, um, you know, Chelsea have sort of bossed Leicester uh, quite a bit when when since Rogers has been there, and I, I just think he'll want to prove a point. So it's going to be a tough game, I think. Um, you know, he won't rest any players; they'll, they'll be going for it. No, they'll they'll want to secure their top four. They'll want to know it's in the bag, and I don't think they'll take it lightly. I think the the video of uh, Daniel Amrite fl- flipping the. Chelsea pennant after the match is probably something yeah, yeah. that they should just play on replete to the players to kind of hype up the disrespect <laughs> and well, fire them up. I just, I'll just make a point on that. I think that's the difference between Chelsea and Leicester yesterday was the level of motivation of the players for playing for the shirt and playing for the fans. Um, you know, I thought, uh, I thought Leicester's supporters did their team proud yesterday, and I thought the players did their supporters yep. proud. And you know, there's a that that group of players at Leicester have been together um, for, for for quite some time. Um, you know, I think with Chelsea, you know, we we sort of keep seeing the odd proper Chelsea comment coming up and up the Chelsea from Werner and you know and the likes. But I, I don't I don't think. There aren't many players in that Chelsea team who understand what it means that it's an absolute privilege to play for Chelsea Football Club. You know, Mason Mount, obviously. Um, you know, Reese James. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure that the other players, uh, Kante, maybe, but the rest of them. Dave, have, I would put Dave up there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, definitely Dave. But it, but it's not. It's not the whole team. And you know, as much as I love Dave, he's not—he's not a John Terry where he's punching that philosophy um, into every other player. You know, it's like pick the ball up and run back to the—you know—centre circle, keep your heads up, all of that. You know, and that's a comment that's been made pretty much since JT left the club. That you know, that, that there isn't that leader legend type figure um, as much as. You know, Aspie has these fantastic qualities and is a brilliant ambassador for the club. Um, you know, he, he just doesn't have that final bit of quality in terms of, um, you know, being that absolute heroic leader um, that is going to get everybody going into the, going over the top of the trench with him into battle. Um, and I think, you know, that was the difference for me between the two teams. You know, it's, it's all very well picking. You know, you could have picked that team and they could have been a motivated team. And I just didn't see that. Yeah, I mean, I think at this stage, too, you look at, you even looked toward the Champions League final. Kevin De Bruyne is a match winner. That's that's who that guy is. Eden Hazard was a match winner when he was here. We don't, we don't have that right now um, in the club and I think in big finals you know people are throwing up their 07 FA Cup final you know with all these leaders and all these players Drogba was the guy to score the eventual goal in extra time you know it, it, I think you need the leadership I also think you need the guile up front to make something out of nothing and I think as as I worry about these last three games of the season the intense pressure that's going to be on our team even if Tuchel himself can handle it because he seems pretty calm under pressure, I wonder about the total mentality of the team knowing so much is on the line. And, and you know, we talked to Matt Law about this last Thursday, but it is really an all or nothing kind of scenario now. I mean, it's Chelsea have, have missed out on one opportunity. There are two more to come and hopefully they can uh, finish two for three, but it's a, it's a rough start. All right. 
Well, I think that's going to wrap us up for this one. Marco, such a pleasure to see you, hear from you. Thank you again for just, uh, you know, being on the show and sharing your thoughts and ideas. It's been, it's been great just honestly being able to kind of sit back and listen. So thank you so much, sir. Thank you for having me on the show, guys. Oh, look, you, you just wait till we get. I hope it all works out well for us. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. You just, you just wait till we get over there again. Even if his bets pay out on the Champions League final, which I, I 100% hope that they do, uh, the first round will still be on us, even though you'll be flush with uh, Champions League cash. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Have you you, you had any thoughts about when you're going to get over next, or are you just going to wait and see? Well, at this rate, it'll probably be the beginning of next season. Yeah. So you'd be over up for an early game, would you? Yes, sir. While everyone's still excited, we haven't lost hope yet. <laughs> well, optimism is a bound, the and there's no none of the negativity has seeped in. <laughs> so It'll we will. We will. Be good. Le- yeah, we will let you know. We're so so excited. Uh, but hey, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you so much for listening, uh, sticking with us during this FA Cup match recap. Probably wasn't the one you're looking forward to. Um, I don't know when this is going to go out next week, but remember, the Chelsea women are in the UEFA Champions League. If this goes out before, I hope you watched it. If this goes out after, I hope they won it. Either way, I got to plug them. There's, you know, massive, massive opportunity. So important for the club. We're so excited for them. Uh, But hey, go to Twitter. Tell Marco you enjoyed having him on. All right. I need to see at least five people tweet him. Thanks. Uh, But that's going to wrap us up. All right. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.